the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Welcome to the USL Show, uh, which is a podcast covering the USL Championship only. In fact, we don't necessarily touch on a whole lot of League One stuff. Um, this will be fun. I'm your host, Evan Malella, joined by a couple of my soccer friends. Gang's all here tonight. Um, one of your favorite people in the California area who might be a little excited tonight because he has a new team to root against it could be two people but it's one of them it's alan underwood hiya how's it going nothing like, like trying to do an intro for a team in california when two of your co-hosts are based in california <laughs> love to see it uh yeah things are going all right um group b is very interesting down here in so- southern california vegas and phoenix included so yeah it's been a, it's been a fun week, uh, so I can't wait to dig into how the rest of the USL is doing too. He's a fan of of uh, the team that Reno can't beat. He's also locker material for a club out in the East Coast because, of course, he has ponies here. Yeah, I get myself in trouble at times with those things, but I stand by statements. You know, hot, hot takes are hot for a reason. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that laughing voice you just heard is Phil Grooms. And Phil, did we hear the interview already, or is that coming after this? Yeah, I'll say, I don't know. Why don't you like say we're going to do the interview now and then intro back out? Well, then let me introduce Ryan Allen real quick. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> hey, Evan. How are you? I'm all right. I'm very confused. How are you? Doing okay. I'm Good. hopefully 24 hours away from Gareth Bale signing for my favorite Premier League team. Yep. Christian Bale, you said? Sheffield Gareth United. Gareth Bale. <laughs> well, I think Phil and I are Christian Bale might be more entertaining. Mm, yeah, well, not according to the not reviews of that new movie that I can't remember. The Tenant. There it is. There it is. That's the joke. Anyway, <laughs> Tenant either. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe Gareth Bale was in Tenant. Who knows? Throwing <laughs> <laughs> an interview. Hey, Phil. Set. Uh, Phil, why don't you, uh, you you break it down? Yeah. Um... Basically, Tommy Hodel came on. He's the communications director for Oakland Roots yep. to give us a quick uh, intro into you know the basics of Oakland joining the USL. And Ryan Madden was on the phone to kind of give the league perspective as well. So we had two comms guys talking about the... Nothing the, better. Right. <laughs> Nothing better. Uh, but Tommy... Tommy did like an especially good job. It was it's really cool to hear uh, the cultural side of things. So here's that interview. Uh, it'll be about twenty minutes, and then we'll come back and talk about some more soccer around the league. All right, I'm joined now by Ryan Madden. He's the USL VP of uh, Communications and Public Relations. Also joined by Tommy Hodel of uh, Oakland Roots. Tommy, I usually ask how to pronounce people's names. I forgot to do it, but here we are. How do you pronounce your name? I'm actually amazed that you're one of the first people to nail that on the first try. It's, everybody goes with Hodel, go. but it, it is Hodel, so you nailed it. Shocked. And what is your uh, title here over there at the Roots? Yeah, so I'm the director of public 
relations and communications at Oakland Roots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're going to try to take Ryan's job here pretty soon. You're doing a pretty good job over there from what I've seen. I would, I would love to work with Ryan. I've been enjoying it uh, every step of the way so far. So I would never want to take his job. I like working with him. Well, that's some good PR right there, man. Good job. But uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us, man, as well. How are you doing today? It's been a minute. Yeah, man. It's been too long. Nowhere I'd rather be. I, uh, I've been listening in, obviously, but it's been a, it's been a while since we've, uh, since, since we've been able to chat like this. Yeah, for sure. Um, why don't you get us started? Really big news was dropped today. Um, you, everyone's going to be listening to this, you know, probably the day after. But why don't you fill us in on, on the, the news for Oakland Roots? Man, it's huge. Um, it's just a, you know, it's a massive, massive day for our league. Uh, Oakland Roots is, is one of the coolest, you know, most purpose-driven soccer organizations anywhere in the United States. And, um, and I mean it genuinely, like from a from the you know the bottom of my heart when I say that I, I've been a I've been a, an admirer of, of Oakland Roots and I've been telling Tommy this for ad nauseum now for a couple of weeks but I, I I've loved everything Oakland Roots has done from a, a brand from a storytelling standpoint from a community outreach standpoint for for having the the courage to, to stand for something um, more than more than just wins and losses it's it's impressive and it's um I think it's in a lot of ways not to overstate it, but I think it's also sort of the future. Like I think, I think Oakland Roots is, is blazing a trail for a lot of soccer organizations across the United States and, and showing, showing people what's possible. And, and you see it, it manifests itself into a lot of different ways, but for them to now um, be joining the USL championship and to be with us and to, and to know that next year in, in 2021, they're going to be taking the field and they're going to be part of our world. And, you're going to be able to turn on ESPN and watch Oakland, Sacramento and Oakland, Phoenix and Oakland, San Diego. Like those are, those are massive, massive games and, um, and really cool brands. And so I'm just, I'm excited. You can tell I'm, I'm buzzing about it. And, uh, it's just a, it's a big day, man. Yeah. Tommy, this has uh, been rumored for a little while. <laughs> we kind of talked about that rumor a little bit. Um, but why don't you kind of fill us in on what it's been like over there? I, I called you about a quick interview. We're making it quick. Uh, because you got a busy day today, man. Uh, what's it like over there in Oakland? I mean, the buzz the buzz is absolutely incredible. I think our fan base is very, very excited for, for what this is. They know that what we do is for Oakland, and oh, like we like to say on our hashtag, Oakland first always. We're here to be about the town. I'm born and raised here. A lot of our founders are born and raised here. So we're really excited because it allows us to do everything we want to do for Oakland and give back to this community. And it's a great opportunity to kind of take Oakland Roots' purpose-driven journey in soccer as a force for social good to an even wider audience. So our fans are excited, our our ownership's excited, our coaching staff's excited, everybody's really, really buzzing here. Yeah, and I want to touch on that a little bit more in a second, but first I want to ask you about, you know, there's a lot of talk online about NISA versus USL Championship. Um, we're not going to get into that here. This There's plenty of that online, but I am curious because I am someone who's rooted for NISA and NASL in the past, and, and currently, I should say. Um, you're leaving that league. What were some of the good parts of that league? What would, what would you say um, if you were to continue to root for NISA, like... What's what's the good side of that the year uh, 2019 and 2020 in that league? Yeah, I think I think they have a great future and they're setting up a great foundation. So I think that's really, really positive. And just want to say we're appreciative of the platform given to us. We needed somewhere to get started. And by working with them, we've been able to 
take this journey to another level with the USL championship. So we're greatly appreciative of everything we've done with that league. And for us, it's something we'll continue to watch their growth um, as we continue to focus specifically on what we can do for Oakland within the USL championship. Yeah. And moving on to USL championship, what can it offer you? I mean, it is a step up in the U S soccer tier officially. Um, and so what do you see your growth looking like through USL championship and what are the opportunities they're giving you? Yeah, I think it's kind of something that Ryan touched on a little bit at the beginning there. It's the opportunity to display our brand to not just a national audience via ESPN and ESPN plus, but to the world. Um, it takes us an up another level to really teach the world about who we are. We're all about Oakland first. We're about knowing where we come from with know your roots and taking care of what's it's called our purpose partners, Soccer Without Borders and Street Soccer USA and My Youth Soccer. These are important organizations in Oakland that have been doing soccer for social good for a long time. And we can't wait to work with them, elevate their platform and really, really tell the story of soccer for social good, including working with organizations like Common Goal, um, which is an incredible, incredible initiative that maybe we can get other USL championship teams on board to share 1% of their salaries um, to fight soccer for social good everywhere around this country. And I think the rivalries potential are incredible. I know Sacramento is just two more years, but that's going to be really fun. Our fans are already hoping that they can set up bus trips to Sacramento. I mentioned a little bit to you before we started recording this, but Sacramento is only like 80 miles away um, on a good day with no traffic, only an hour and a half drive. So we're hoping for that. And then also some of the brands around California that are really, really growing to San Diego Loyals, a fun, a fun game. And outside of California, I think a Las Vegas away day is intriguing to any fan <laughs> of any team. And I think really, really excited watching like New Mexico United last year and everything they've been doing. They're a really, really awesome organization. So it's putting us against these teams that just helps foster growth of soccer throughout the whole country by working in a friendly rivalry way against every single one of those teams I, I mentioned. That's awesome. Yeah. Cultural clout is something I've been thinking about trademarking because Oakland Roots, I mean, they're bringing some cultural clout to uh, USL championship. Um, Ryan, I think you mentioned a little bit of that too, for sure. But, you know, shifting to you, Ryan, there are a few things about this that maybe you can touch on and get them out of the way. Everyone always likes to track the expansion fee and who's paying it and who's getting the money. Uh, Mark Hall of East Bay is the one selling it in this case, the the former East Bay uh, group uh, for USL expansion. Um, I'm curious about that. I'm also curious about if you wanted to kind of talk about these guys are moving from the third tier of U.S. soccer to the second tier. And um, not to mention, uh, we all know the story of the San Francisco de Deltas and how difficult Tommy mentioned um, it's been for the Bay Area to really hold on to a team. Can you kind of touch on all the business things that maybe a few of those that we mentioned there? Yeah, look, I'm not going to get into the, the details on, on a specific number in terms of, of, of sort of, um, you know, transaction value on the on the private market. But um, but look, our you know, our, our league is is growing at a at a tremendous rate. And, you know, you talk about growth in soccer to the point where it almost it almost becomes cliche. But like we the USO championship specifically is is growing year over year at a, at a really, really rapid pace. You know, if you think about I think we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but the, the where this league was five years ago versus where it is um today and, and the the 
opportunity now to turn on ESPN on any given day and USL championship and, and Serie A and the EFL championship and Bundesliga all packaged together on ESPN, you know, the league's the largest provider of, of um, live soccer content, ESPN of any soccer organization in the world. You know, we got a, a billion dollars real or proposed in, in stadium development coming down the pipeline. So um, with that growth and with that maturation, obviously comes an increased price point at which um, it, you know, it costs to, to, to be a part of what we're doing, but that's not like, that's not, that's not the focus to be honest. It's, it's more about can teams meet a certain criteria for us? And it's, it's not necessarily a, a financial one. It, it's more about does it, does a team have a quality local ownership who is as invested in their community as they are in their club? Is there a strong appetite in the local community for, professional soccer um you know do they have they done what they need to do from a from a from a management talent acquisition standpoint to bring in people who know how to operate a soccer club at a high level and who understand the importance of giving back just as much as as they as they take in because there's this idea in in some with some soccer organizations that you just create a soccer club you roll out the ball and by virtue of your mere existence you have some divine right to be supported And, and i just don't think that's true. And I think Oakland Roots understood that from the very beginning. They said, like, if we're going to expect people to follow us on social media, to show up to our games, to buy our merch, we're going to have to do something to show that we care about the community just as much as we expect them to do something for us. And so they went out and and have had a community relations program and a community-based approach in a way that I don't I, – I genuinely mean it. It's not hyperbole, and I'm not just saying it because I'm, like, the lead PR guy. Like, they are – the most community-centric club um, probably in North America. And that's a, that's, a, that's a really cool thing. And so when we look at what it takes to be a part of the USL Championship, Oakland Roots has all of those things in abundance. If all of the, all of the things, the, the ingredients necessary to be a long-term success in, in whatever league they play in. And so I'm, um, I have no doubt in their ability to continue to grow and to continue to be the best version of themselves and to continue to push the culture forward and to push our league forward. I, I, I think, man, I think, um, I think sky's the limit for, for what this club's capable of doing. Yeah. I like that thought process of, you know, I went a little negative perhaps there in that, you know, clubs have failed, but I like the thought process of investing in the community and them investing back in you and that creating financial success. I think that's a really nice thing for sure. And I really hope that that is part of, of what gets the club into the next level for sure. Uh, Tommy, do you want to talk about that? I didn't mean to go too negative there. I, I'm excited about the move you guys are going to make, and I, I hope that um, it's easy for you, to be honest. But you do have challenges. There are practical challenges in moving from Division Three to Division Two. I think the Miami FC had a little bit of trouble on the field side, even though we've been very excited about that team in general, and I do think they're going to be fine uh, by all um, vi- visuals of that. Um, but can you talk about the challenges you guys have ahead of, e- of you in the next year about acquiring talent keeping talent or maybe you don't um i don't know what the next move is as far as the stadium and all that as well yeah so i I think for us i mean again we look at ourselves as a game day is an oakland community event and it's uh the hype beast article talked about how it's one big block party and that doesn't change nothing none of that changes it's a it's a whole atmosphere and what we do is making sure mr fab zion i these oakland legends are performing at games and there's 
concerts going on. You have even down to something that a story is not told enough, but our very first game inviting in a local Ohlone woman, which is the local native tribe here to do a land dedication ceremony to like honor uh, the land that we came on, which is the deepest of our roots, right? The Ohlone people here, here in Oakland. So what we're doing, nothing changes off the field. Um, we just take it to another level, um, which is completely doable for us in every way. People will continue to show up, we believe, um, win or lose, because it's an Oakland cultural event. And one of our big fans, he goes to all the sporting events around here, season ticket holder for all the teams. And he just said, I know my Oakland fan, Mali, will be there. Um, so F-A-N, Mali, will be there. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to be there. He didn't even know really what soccer was. Um, or he knows what it was, but he wasn't a big fan of the game. He's a football, basketball, baseball guy, but he's there every game now because he knows the Oakland community support will be there. And that's what's really, really important to us. And we think that ties into the soccer in a way that people want to see local players. And we'll never forget that. We know the importance of these, these young local players. And we know that there's another level that we have to take it to, but the East Bay is filled with talent. There's there's players playing all over USL Championship right now um, that are from our home city of Oakland and from the greater East Bay, whether it be Berkeley, Richmond, Walnut Creek. So that talent level exists and making sure we stay true to those players and that community is not changing. And we under, and we think that at some point, I wouldn't ever let our head coach Jordan hear this, but <laughs> he, he, he everything to him is definitely going to be about winning. And I, we want to win as much as we can. That's that's definitely true but making sure we do right by Oakland and that local people are inspired by the players that they see out there when I say inspired seeing a local Oakland kid uh, come up through the system maybe even play with our our B team and then come play for the first team that's really inspiring to the next generation and that's really really important to us so making sure that that cultural touch and what we just like to call town business is part of how we actually play soccer the the well what Jordan likes to call black collar soccer. The idea that that's Oakland town business is part of the mentality of the tactics, part of the mentality of how we play and, and everything we do. So that's not changing. And we think that we can win with East Bay players, but we do know that it's more important to make sure that our atmosphere on game days is an Oakland community event. It's a block party and that they see a reflection at, to some extent of themselves playing out on the field and in the coaching and also throughout the entire organization, whether it be our sales and service manager and everything like that, that this is a true representation of people who are born and raised from, in Oakland and the East Bay and that love this area. Like when we say Oakland first always, we're not talking that you have to be from Oakland. The idea though is that you have to respect inclusion, diversity, arts, music, culture, the things that make Oakland what it is it's the foundation of what Oakland is 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 diversity and inclusion and then community and art so that's the key and we can do that with winning soccer games we believe too my god Tommy uh I'm so excited you guys are just oozing with uh social responsibility the arts it's the kind of thing I love to hear um I'm gonna give you guys each one last thing to kind of say before we leave Tommy you think of yours Ryan I'm gonna go to you first since uh you've had some time to think on on your own here um any last thoughts before we close no I would just say Phil um to kind of put you on the spot here (laughs) um Evan I saw I put out a tweet earlier today where he was uh, he was saying that he thinks Roots is going to be a playoff team year one. So 
I'm just trying to get your position on this, Dan, because, you know, you got Tommy here. The chance to let's speak your mind. Tell him what you really think. Is Roots, is Roots making the playoffs in their first year? Um, no. <laughs> I'm going to say it straight to his face. I'm going to say no, but oh. I will say I will say Evan is a huge Jack McInerney fan, so I know that's part of what he's thinking there. He's such a fan of, of your culture, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be more honest and hurtful to myself. I have not done enough research. I don't know. You, I got to look at your players a little closer. And so I hope I'll do that before tonight when we do the show. Um, don't, li- don't listen to him, Tommy. Don't listen to him. Yeah. Don't listen to him. <laughs> Man, I had so much faith in the Miami. <laughs> what happened? It's yeah. so weird. It's, uh, well, well we, we played Miami last year and Jack scored twice. So if ah, we play go. them in a, in, the only way to play them is in a final and, and we'll see what, we'll see what happens there. But now it's we understand it's a huge it's a huge step up in that way and we're we're excited for the challenge. I have a tremendous amount of respect for so many of the soccer minds around this league. Um, I even put it out on Twitter a little earlier. Incredible amount of respect for someone like Ian Russell, the head coach up at Reno. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's a brilliant coach. Um, Todd Donovan, the general manager at Sac Republic, another world class soccer mind. Like we understand the challenge that's coming and we're not afraid of it. But we believe that every game. In, and will be a sellout, and the atmosphere is going to be that exciting. Um, with as we battle for our playoff spot, for sure, right? that's making making one of those top eights, top ten now, I believe, right, is is a huge goal. Um, and I, I think we're going to get in there. I think we'll, we'll surprise you, Phil. I'm not, yes. I'm not going to go out go out here and say we're we're winning the West right off the top, <laughs> but I, I do think I do think we're going to surprise you, Phil. So I will I will say that much. Um, and and that's we're just in, incredibly excited. We we can't wait. We can't. Can't wait for the spring um, to get get started, um, and we'll, we'll see how it, it shakes out. And I'll make sure to retweet this episode when we do make the playoffs end of twenty one. I don't know if you guys caught it. Tommy flexing on some of his USL knowledge there. Uh, the guy knows his stuff. We talk a lot, don't we, Tommy? So this is this has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's, it's been fun because I've known Phil for for a little while now, um, talking about USL clubs, and I've. I just love all of lower league soccer. I got no biases any one way or another. There's a lot. There's so many good people around yeah. lower league soccer in in so many places, um, in in all different types of leagues. So there's it's hard for me to ever not be positive about the future of soccer because every time you speak to someone like yourself, Phil, who's just still excited about everything that's going on, um, it's it's what what I live for. Um, the only thing that's different about me is that. I say I love Oakland more than I love soccer, and that's the only thing that I do love more than the game of soccer in this country. Is this this city is the and I'm going to be biased here. This is the greatest city in the world, and that and that opinion's never going to change on me. I I like to say my first my first ever tattoo on my arm is the outline of the city of Oakland, and it means that much to to a lot of us here at Oakland Roots, and that we're going to make sure to honor that for all the Oakland people. Yeah, man. I think we can all resonate with all the things you said, and I think it's a perfect thing to close on there. Tommy, thanks for joining me. Ryan, thanks for uh, joining us today as well. You guys have a good one. I'm so excited for that spring start for you guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Have a good one, man. Talk soon. And we're back. Talking about more soccer on the league. Uh, hey, Phil, Oakland Roots. You know what I'm really excited for? Maybe. Hmm. Nana Atacora and Tristan Bowen are on that team. 
Yeah, you know what? In the interview, <laughs> I said I was going to look into those guys, and I didn't have time. I well, came home, took care of my kids, and now I'm here. So, uh, Adekor was with DC United for for a hot minute. Uh, he's 31. He's from North York, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, was with the Toronto FC reserves and, and finished up in MLS with DC United and then Tristan Bowen, uh, 29 from Los Angeles. So he's relatively local, um, former Chivas USA. So they will never die. Never, never. That's great. Jack McInerney's yeah. on the team. Max there. Yeah. Don't need to talk about him in MLS. That's okay. <laughs> I'll pass. Former India 11, Jack McInerney. Yeah. That's at least that's how I think of him. So. And it's it's interesting to me. I, I think they're going to learn from uh, other teams. Everyone said it, but I'll, I I won't just to be a little bit nicer. Other teams making the jump from NISA and um, maybe build a little better. And I, I think with Bowen, with Adekora, with Mac there, um, you know, they, they have guys that have done it before at pretty much every level. Um, and I think between... Oakland itself, their branding, their marketing, their social kind of uh, conscious driven brand and everything and, and really leaning into the diversity that soccer allows them to have as far as their roster makeup and things like that. And they have a really nice logo. Um, mm-hmm. Not an unappealing place for people to end up, really. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be able to draw players. No problem. Uh, something San Diego has been able to do recently, especially that I hope we get to talk about today, Alan, but um, Oakland, especially like you hear Tommy, the Tommy's like the calm guy and you just hear him like just exude this, like this importance put on the cultural aspect, the social yeah. community aspect of everything. And what's cool is I, I saw a, a quote. It was like the only quote that the owner threw in there uh, for, for the USL or uh, for the Brian Strauss article is the one I read. And it was only about social change in the community. That's mm. what he talked about in that, in the SI article. Um, it, it, I'm just excited about that to see what that looks like. And, and, you know, the USL is really lucky to get that. Um, and then the other thing I thought was interesting today is Madden retweeted an article where, uh, there was some quote saying, hopefully this will be, you know, kind of like, hopefully this would be the beginning of something that will continue. And then I re- also read right before this started a Chris Kivlihan article, um, yep. Dean Musa guy, uh, talking about, first of all, everyone got really excited when Oakland Roots um, announced going to USL Championship, uh, yep. but no one mentioned a thing about Chicago and NISA. And so I've seen that around Twitter yeah. today. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of lack of buzz for NISA, but it well, uh, articles about like how NISA is making an impact on the soccer world. And so it's a lot hard. This is a tangent. It's a lot harder to get into city name, league name than it is Oakland Roots, which is a brand. Like, I can't get excited for NISA Chicago project because I don't know what in the fuck that is yet. I know who's attached to it, and that's nice, but I don't know what it is. Um, so, yeah, I get it. And, and you know, it, it was nice that they had a launch pad to get to here. But like Tommy said in the interview, they bought into this and they sold out for a reason. And that is they're on ESPN now. There's already a foundation here. They think they can perform here on the field, which is huge. 
Um, but speaking of performing well on the field, let's talk about things that are actually happening in your soccer world in 2020, in the month of September, right around the middle of the month. Um, like, weirdly enough, and I, I guess we'll start here, Memphis 901 FC firing Tim Mulqueen. Um, yeah, Tim Howard, uh, 901 FC sporting director, goalkeeper, and NBC Sports Premier League analysis. <laughs> which is so dumb. Uh, he says the results just haven't been good enough. Simple as that. We needed freshening up. So Tim Howard is going to be the coach now. Um, yeah. I, this is so weird. Is that his like fourth official job now? Third well, and fourth? yeah, I mean, if he takes it, he won't be the coach. That was a joke, but I mean, it might as well be, right? <laughs> I, I never liked the mid-season coaching change because unless you got someone lined up, like, yeah. is there really a point to, like, getting rid of somebody if things aren't, like, just absolutely terrible? Like, I haven't seen any culture things. I haven't seen any, like, things weren't great. We needed right. to get rid of him. I, mm-hmm. I, is there really a necessity of getting rid of someone now with a couple games left? Why don't you just, like, get to the end of the season and start well, lining up your guy? They've been winning all of a sudden. That's another well, weird one. I mean, okay, so. I mean, Memphis 901 FC right. has one win in the last five games. They're currently 11 points out of a top two spot in Group G, although Pony will say later about how strong this group is as a whole itself. But, yeah, I have to agree with you. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Alan, that uh, not only just kind of uh, the midseason firing, it's not. Uh, for not just that, but it just seems like the overall situation of how the league has been this year and the just kind of broader state of, I guess, the world right now, that it seems odd to make a coaching firing uh, halfway through the season. It's my thing. It's not halfway through the season. They have four games left. There's 20 days left in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, at this point, to me, this is where you just write it out and say at the end of the year, hey, if you don't go on a three-game win streak, you're fired. But at this stage, just I don't see why you fire someone with so little yeah. time left for any coach to actually make a change. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that on Twitter, the outcry against, like, why why fire him? And I do agree with, especially what Alan said, like, if you don't have someone lined up, then what's the point? But I just always wonder what's going on in the back. Is How much has he lost to the locker room to where it's hurtful? Mm. You use the rest of the season as preseason for next year, figure out your roster for next year. There are things you can do. And also, I just wonder, too, like you don't know if maybe there's just like a line that was crossed that they just weren't willing to deal with anymore. You know, obviously we never know. What's crazy to me is two things. One, you're replacing the guy with one of his assistants. So if you're like, man, the style of play that we had under Mulqueen is really terrible. Bad news, not changing with this guy, uh, Ben Pierman. And then two, like, how many jobs in the world do you get fired by one of your players? Like, uh, you know, and then and then Tim Howard, I guess, went on to say that the coaching change should inspire players to examine their own performances and like, sorry, bro. But if you guys went up to nothing and then lost three to two. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Also that wording of the examine your own performances basically sounds like a, I'm threatening to fire everybody else too, to me, at least that's my, like, if I know someone at my workout fired and my big boss comes and said, Oh yeah, we just hope you all examine performances. That sounds yeah. like the, we're about to fire everybody else. 
Yeah. And I don't think that really works well for motivating players for the most part. And it, it's strange. I guess they, they think Pierman could be one of their candidates for the main job in 2021. Ben Pierman, by the way, uh, former Detroit City coach, former Michigan State coach. So not someone that's that's new to the soccer game by any stretch. He was with Detroit City for, for six years. Um, but, like, if you think he's the guy going forward, and you've talked about that before, either wait it out till the end of this goofy season or do it earlier. Yeah. So uh, unfair for, for Mulqueen, if I'm honest, to, to be fired the way he was. And when he was, um, sure, they have to pay him out. So at least he won't lose any of his money. But regardless, really unceremonious, really unnecessary firing. Maybe Tim Howard wanted to get that done before he moves on to taking Kyle Martino's job. I have no idea. Um, I'll take any shot at Tim Howard that I can get. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, I do want to say that um, if you've watched their games recently, Matt Hunley's been really amazing for them. Very good. And he's a 20-year-old American. Um, everyone likes to think about and talk about Matt, um, Sebastian Soto over in Europe. Yep. Um, but Hunley replaced him as the lead striker in the U20 tournament at, at, at times, um, and he would perform as good or better, in my opinion. Um, so seeing him perform well in the USL has been really nice. He's on loan from the Rapids perhaps underappreciated over there probably more than likely right <laughs> uh speaking of shortened seasons uh the playoff structure came out it's a fun one 16 teams it's a regionalized single elimination bracket uh four group winners in each conference earning hosting rights for the eastern and western conference quarterfinals following the open round uh hosting rights will be determined by regular season record um so basically western conference a1 b2 b1 a2 c1 d2 d1 c2 that whole thing we're used to that that's normal uh the weird part uh, following the recommendations of the league's competition strategy committee, teams will see no less than four days between games should they advance. Uh, in the case of a postponement, the rescheduled match would need to take place within 48 hours of the original kickoff. Um, additionally, a four-day match window, so Thursday through Sunday, would be employed for each of the first three rounds of the postseason. As in previous seasons, at least a five-day window will remain in effect for the 2020 USL Championship Final to allow flexibility for broadcast purposes. So what that means... Starting in October, we'll see the playoffs, and they'll come fast and hard. Quarterfinals are going to be between the 8th and 11th of October, the semifinals the 15th through the 18th, the conference finals the 22nd through the 25th, with the final determined later after those conference finals, I imagine. So I hope you like tight schedules because there's more of them. Pony, you have a comment here, don't you? Um, I, I do I, um, <laughs> but I mean, to me, this kind of makes sense of how it works out, but I don't think this is really different than other years, apart from the groups playing other groups. So we have situations where some teams may have a path that's just less competition is to get to the conference finals, but one game a week to me, isn't really the worst thing in the world. What mm -hmm. I don't like is it obviously means we're not going to extend the season, which right. I don't think is that's good because okay. there are teams. Okay, that that was that. How about my comment? I think I know what I'm. I think I know my comment. I knew you'd get there. <laughs> but yeah, there's teams that have a lot of games to play, and we have 
20-ish days to play in the entire season. I mean, look, just looking through it, Hartford has six games to play. Miami has six games to play. Philly and Tacoma, they have six games to play. And six games to play is in 20 days. That's brutal on these guys. And especially for some of these teams that might not be in a playoff team but could affect the playoffs. If you are playing someone who's playing their sixth game in two and a half weeks, boy, they're going to have tired legs, and that's going to be a massive advantage for whatever team goes up against them. I mean, again, I think the season should have been pushed back another week or two to have all these makeup games not just for everyone. I mean, hey, maybe some team gets lucky. They have a week and a half off between their regular season and first-round playoff. But I just I, – I mean, it's playoffs are fine, but I think it should be pushed back a week. Everything should go back one week just to stop this potential of someone – I feel it's going to get hurt because they're playing their 300th minute of soccer in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's on the league. The league should not be allowing that. Yeah. I will say that last time we had this conversation, we were scared that the COVID, you know, drop from the roster situations was going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Um, I'm shocked that we got to where we are now without more problems to be, you know, to be yeah. honest, but um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for that. Um, I'm glad it worked out that way for sure. Uh, so at least that's not a thing, but you know, the COVID injuries, you know, there, like you said, if there's injuries throughout the last several weeks from six games and, and whatever, every four games you're playing a game or every four days you're playing a game, there's going to be problems. And that's still like a COVID problem really. But, yeah. um, I know we're all still happy that we've been able to safely have some games here. Uh, Alan, my biggest problem in in this format, not in general, um, you can see Reno and Sacramento play in the second round of the of the playoffs. Yeah, I think the West is kind of a an interesting. I could, I mean, I could talk about the East, but I don't really want to. Um, sure. <laughs> the West right now, like Sacramento uh, and Reno. We've seen them a bunch of times. It feels a little bit open cupish with like the same teams over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're a little bit used to that. But I know a lot of people have was like, hey, why don't we just redo seeding after the first round and have some C's versus A, B, D kind of mix some things up. But I think for safety reasons, you don't. Yeah. Um, for travel reasons, you don't. But like right now, I said like San Antonio is in a really good spot um, to do some damage because of who they get. And, you know, if a Tulsa or Austin can get lucky and in a single elimination game, it's like your pathway to the Western Conference is better. Mm. Um, And then with Reno, like Reno's like anybody but Sacramento right now, uh, they have to play them yet again. And that might keep them from getting that home field advantage, which if they can get home field, they have a, a really good shot because teams traveling to Reno uh, seem to have some troubles going there versus Reno traveling away. Um, so I think that's another part that's going to enter into it is with competitive balance is a, a, a team that um, gets the advantage of playing some worse teams more often, rack up those points and then get that home field against a team that's maybe a better team, but they're in a division or group with, you know, people right now who are just beating the snot out of each other, like Group B. Yeah, and I mean, 
luckily this week, I mean, there's one happening right now. I don't think anyone listening live, at least youtube.com backslash the USL show, um, is watching it. Or if they are, thank you for multitasking. Uh, Los Dos and, and Las Vegas Lights are on right now. Obviously, tomorrow, more interesting matchups. Indy 11, Louisville City square off again. Uh, Indy hasn't beaten Louisville City competitively in about two years. May 5th, 2018. Uh, Louisville 5-0 and 4 in the uh, ensuing matches. Um, so Phil wants Louisville to win that game. Indy right. would very much like to open up some space and close a gap. And then the, the 9 o'clock Eastern slate, San Antonio and Austin Bold, uh, which, you know, Saturday night, San Antonio could have clinched it. But now they get to do it at home or try to do it at home against the same team that took it away from them on Saturday. So some like really interesting only because of this format storylines happening, um, which is nice. But at the same time, if you look outside of a couple groups, there's uh, really not a whole lot of races happening. The Hounds are in, Hartford's in second place, and then the rest of that group's awful. Uh, group G is an interesting race a little bit, but Pony will tell you none of those teams are good. Um, group H then, is pretty much decided. Yeah, Group H is sorted other than who wants to be the first team. I mean, Atlanta United 2 is already eliminated. <laughs> and uh, unless Miami can turn things around in their final six games, uh, it's pretty tough to make up the deficit that they have of Charleston Battery at 24 points, Miami FC, sorry, the Miami FC at nine. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel bad for some of the, like, I, I feel like a fair bit of the teams as well that have to play six games coming up are like MLS reserve sides, and those are a bunch of 16-year-olds playing these really goofy stretches. Better than them than, like, the 20 and 30-year-olds, I suppose. Better, yeah, better than than the teams that, like, super matter in this race, but, I mean, it's still not kind to anybody. Yeah, right. You know? Just looking um, at the difference, I see Birmingham has two games left. Oh wow! Or no, three. Sorry, three. Sorry, but still, yeah. that's that's still stunning. That's that much of a difference between some of these teams. And yeah, I mean, we're used to unbalanced USL schedules, but with all these extenuating circumstances, it just doesn't make sense to not have some grace period. I mean, who's gonna? What team's gonna be upset that we that you say, hey, you get a week off the train to prepare for your first round playoff game? Mm. Guys, is uh, Charlotte living up to what we hoped they could do? They are sure as hell trying. I mean, they're in a really, considering how North Carolina is playing, they they should be doing this. But the fact that they're above North Carolina, I don't think I saw that happening. But mm-hmm. uh, they've, man, only one loss in the last five that I have visible here. So I, they play like the joke of like oh lily ball is gonna sit back and just defend for 60 minutes after getting a goal like if you take that like okay we're not getting into shootout with you but they have pace and they have a tent like they can get out on the front foot and they can still play that kind of conservative style and i think especially against tampa which is funny because it's tampa um sorry sorry tampa bay they get mad when you don't there's two never mind 
especially against Tampa Bay, they really make that sort of style work for them or the Rowdies have a hard time chasing shadows like that because Charleston is rather fast. And I think that's maybe the one thing the Rowdies don't necessarily have is a lot of quick guys. Um, so Charleston's been able to get a lot of really, really important points, especially off the Rowdies, which not a lot of people can do when it matters. And then, you know, if, if they sneak in and get a spot up and then Charlotte stays at the two, that's their matchup. And I think they like that a lot. I think they like playing anybody right now, but I think narrative wise, Charleston and, and Charlotte would be a really fun opening round matchup. Sure is. And it, it almost feels to me like they figured out how to defend and they figured out how to make sure Dan Kelly can find the ball in the right spot. Some of that's been him doing his own thing, but uh, yep. still they got some guys, you know, that's what we've always said. Dan Kelly, Enzo more, you know, like these, they got well, potential. They should be doing something like this. Their chemistry came in late, I think. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. But that's American fine. soccer evergreen comment. You'd rather get hot right around the playoffs, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Especially right. in that single elimination. Like I think they feel very strongly, clearly evidenced by finding Pony's tweets and <laughs> quote tweeting the shit out of them. Okay. They feel very strongly Look. that if I never said these teams were bad. I say if I look back at my preseason I, rankings, I, I had say the group is bad and not have that mean that the teams are bad. Let's <laughs> say they, I had the group of the preseason. I actually had three of these making the playoffs, but I had them all in the play-in round. I think looking at back at my preseason rank, I had North Carolina seven, Birmingham eight, and Charlotte ten. It's like that. When they get paired in a group, that's going to be a bad group, but they aren't all bad teams. It's just the I. It's the best of the mediocre sides to me. Pony, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm just digging a hole here. Okay, I'm just gonna keep digging yeah. for a bit here. If, but... uh, if any of these social media admins or players on uh, any of those three teams would like to DM me at speak and speak on Twitter, I will uh, maybe give you Pony's uh, mail address, and you can send him your hate tweets or. Uh, ship him the trophy if you win it. Who cares? If you want to send me hate and treats through the mail, feel feel free because I'll enjoy that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, can I ask Alan about the players? I've been wanting to ask him for a few weeks. Yeah, Phil. Alan, dude, yes. they're working out in this. What the second game they played? Uh, they, for they, most they, of them, this is the second. Uh, they have. Um, they played in like they. Started playing Orange County on the road, so uh, like a guy like Miguel Berry has gotten three games, uh, but Alejandro Guido has been two. I think Tarek morad has been three, and uh, Rubin has been two. Uh, I think he had he has some like um, he was really hoofing it after at like sixty minute mark, and they're like yelling, yeah. "Just five more minutes, Rubin! Just five more minutes, you can do it!" And you can really see him laboring. Um, yeah, I think um, I think the sexiest pickup is the Rubin signing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I reached out to Cesar Hernandez, friend of the pod, and he was actually the most excited about Alejandro Guido. He said, Mm. um, he's had some injury issues, which has always been a a thing with, right? Like you can have the talent, but if you're not healthy, you know, people kind of give up on you. And he said he was the most excited to see how he would recover. Um, and he has been nothing but amazing in kind of like a 10 role kind of plays behind Miguel Berry. Um, it's very fluid. It's kind of a weird, they went from a three back, but they're still a three back. And it's a, it's a whole weird thing, but um, Miguel Berry 
is still young and it shows from time to time, but having Guido behind him, like the there's an excitement on the pitch that's new. There's uh, runs that weren't happening. There's offensive excitement, um, and they're actually scoring goals now, which was the issue. Uh, was never really defense. Um, it was always goal scoring. Uh, John Kempen was out. He was recalled kind of from Columbus. And it kind of all hit the skids for a couple games or it was just a injury bug and losing Kempen definitely hurt. And then Kempen coming back and then these, you know, four new signings have really put a lot of life into the team. Uh, and they believe in themselves now. There was a, they were playing and going toe to toe with the tough Orange County uh, team on Sunday night. And it felt like a playoff match. Like the energy coming off of that pitch was crazy. What I'm impressed with is I feel like a lot of times these mid season signings are like acts of desperation and it's not going to work. In this case, it works like a freaking charm. And I love that. But I mean, most of these guys have surpassed guys that have been on the team for a little bit now. Right. Am I wrong in that? Um, I don't disagree with that. I think, um, I think the issue also is like you would want Irvin Para to perform, but he had a torn meniscus, so he's not uh, playing. Um, and the guys, the other guys that they had weren't true number nines. You know, uh, Francis Atuene is great, but he's not like your t- prototypical nine. Uh, Tumi Moshabani, yeah, Tumi Moshabani is good, but he's he's a winger. He's not a striker. Um, so I think they're kind of putting them some kids into positions that they just weren't prepared for. Um, and yeah, I think in every team, there's guys who don't work out, especially your first year where you're not sure who's going to fit. Um, but defensively, they're always really solid. Like they haven't missed Joe Greenspan. How crazy is that? Mm. Like they haven't really missed him on the defensive side. Like Grant Stoneman from League One has stepped up, leads the league at passing. And like Joe Greenspan is missed, but it's not like they're giving up tons of goals without him. Um, but I, I think it's always been an offensive issue, and they looked at it and said, who can we get? Um, a Rubin is a, a great signing. Miguel Berry was always a conversation. Like When he got drafted, it's like, will Loyal get him back? Will Loyal get him back? And it didn't look like it, and they were able to put something together. But I think that Guido signing has been uh, – he's kind of been the engine that they needed, uh, allow Colin Martin to kind of sit back a little bit more um, and be a little bit more defensive-minded. And he's got some good passes, but he's not that – Number 10 guy, he's more laid back. So there's a kind of a belief in San Diego right now. Like when they a stoppage time, they're always huddled up. Um, it, it feels very much like a family being built. And um, it's exciting to watch finally. Like this is the team that we thought we were getting in preseason. It's great. Yeah, I agree. And now oh, yeah. things are crazy in Group B because yeah. – Orange County can't win and LA all of a sudden can't win and Vegas can beat people now. And it's a, it's, it's a poop show right now in group E and who knows where, who knows where it's going to be. It's going to be a real fun. I think this is the more exciting. This in the, was a group E. I think those are the two groups that are still really exciting to watch. It's going to be playoff soccer for the next 20 days in those groups. Anybody else with any thoughts? I'm I'm excited to see uh Iose's back for Indy eleven. Which will be big. But it's still gonna be up to Nick Moon and Jeremy Raffanello, which is intriguing, but I don't think that's super positive. 
because I like Raph, but I don't know if I like Raph that much. Yeah, I mean, overall, it's just an interesting game now to the end of the year. Mm. So I'm probably going to dig another hole. All right, so about Charlotte. I also said two other teams did not get mad at me, so, you know, <laughs> think about it that way. Because, I mean, I think, that, I think that same thing applies to San Diego and – not San Diego, San Antonio and uh, Pittsburgh, where mm. they have not played a bunch of good teams their season. And yeah, it'll be interesting to point. see – when those two teams get to the playoffs, how good they really are, because there's not a lot of good metrics. And it's yeah. interesting. I mean, San, San Antonio, I mean, they could be one of the best teams in the entire league, but when you're playing your hardest opponents are Tulsa and Austin, who are, again, average teams. I think they'd be a play-in type side. If they came to, if we had that, this 10-team season we were expecting to have. Mm. Same with Pittsburgh, where... Hartford, again, if this was a 10-team playoff, they'd probably be in that playing group. So it'll be interesting to see how they really stack up when it comes to it, but we'll see. Anybody else with any thoughts? Great hearing silence. Well, okay. well I, guess, I guess we just thought, yes or no, <laughs> does RGV win a game this year? Uh, no. I mean, if Portland can, then can't anybody? Mm. Like, doesn't that there make, like, go. gives you a little, a glimmer of hope if Portland can finally, or yeah. can win a game and now Pony can start putting some math together in that group? Yeah, for the record, RGV finished the season with Tulsa, New Mexico, Austin, and Oklahoma City. So far, they have no wins, but three draws. For the sake of our friends down in the Valley, I would hope that RGV can find a win somewhere. But with Tulsa, New Mexico United, OKC remaining, it seems like it's a uh, somewhat of a uh, taller order. I lean yes. I mean, Oklahoma City, they've already drawn twice. So I say... And eliminated Oklahoma City on the last game day of the entire season. If they haven't won yet, RGV just has to say they, they have to win that game. They can't lose that game, which is meaningless to their opponent on the last day of the season. They've not, had, they've not had a good model. It's They're just not doing it right. I got to say it. Hey, and you know what? They're not the only team. That's true. Remember I mean, they, oh, yeah. Remember, Archie was really good like four years ago, too. I do. I do. They were a two seed in the playoffs. Yeah, imagine. That's what it is. I think I, I think I made myself look bad by saying they they were going to win the championship that year. They were the two seed. They lost immediately and mm. have been broken since that point. So, I guess I'm to blame for RGV's struggles. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. Right. Yeah. I uh, jinxed them. <laughs> uh. Yeah, just uh, take that into your week, friends. Anybody, if 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 Portland Timbers two, if Tacoma Defiance, if they can win a soccer game in the USL Championship, you can do that thing that you don't like doing at your job. And I guess until next week. Uh, thanks again for, um, <laughs> ironically enough. 
uh, friend and long time allegedly fan of the show, uh, Tommy Huddle for for talking to Phil, uh, sitting down, and uh, I'll have to buy some USL branded merch from uh, from that club mm-hmm. when they're off the ground, or even just do it now because why not? Um, so thanks for Tommy, thanks for for Ryan Madden as always for uh, for giving that to us and, and help us uh, helping us out letting the little guys have a bit of a platform to talk to one of the other guys that does it from the ground up. Uh, uh, you can follow us at the USL show. Thank you to Icarus FC, Roughneck Scarves, and the Beautiful Game Network podcast for putting us all together and letting us do this every week. And uh, until next week, you know, we have uh, we have one rule. Well, I'm going to make it two rules. Uh, wear a mask, please. Thank you. And, uh, and don't be a dick. <laughs>